when you have a solid system in place that aligns with your strategy, with your vision, utilizing your superpowers, you have nothing but success waiting for you. But again, it's waiting for you and you have to take the action. Mm. And so think about that for a moment. What are your systems? Hello, and thank you for joining the Made to Inspire podcast. This is the podcast for dreamers, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to go to that next level in your life with Kimberly Smith Austin and Misty Kerrigan. Each week, we will bring you tips, tools, and tactics that will inspire you to take action. Hey, 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 it's Kimberly Smith Austin, and I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Made to Inspire podcast. I am here today with my co-host, awesome and amazing, Misty Kerrigan. Hey, Misty. Hey, Kimberly. How are you today? I am super fantastic. Yesterday was Easter, and I want to just say happy Easter to all of those that celebrate it. What a great time to just unwind, relax, and just be. And that's exactly I what I did. Easter and spring always just make me think of new beginnings um, and starting things, right? Planting and getting getting ready. Uh, summer's around the corner. Yes. So there's so much to be excited, grateful for, and a lot of blessings happening, especially with May to Inspire. Yes. We've got some things cooking up, folks. Right now, we have an accountability group going on, and it is super fantastic as well. We're just launching and putting stuff out there in the marketplace because our heart's desire is to see you, the entrepreneur, the emerging leader, the executive, take your life to the next level. Today, we're going to come to you with some really good info. And I love it because we speak to people in, like I said, in that marketplace where they're really trying to grow and go to the next level. And you all know that the last few weeks, we've been talking a little bit about setting your business up for success. Mm. And one of the questions that we keep getting from people is they're struggling. It's a comment, but they're struggling. They want to know, how do I do that? I've been an employee for 20 years. I've been an employee for 25 years. And they're trying to figure out how to make the shift. So we decided that today's show is going to focus on making that shift from the employee to the entrepreneur. I'm so excited. Misty, what about you? I love this. I'm in that journey right now mindset. I'm a little more than an employee. Been at my company for 20 years just because the way that I was um, groomed in to think about things. Sure. But I still have that safety net that I thought was a safety net. But there's still some mindset that we have amazing conversations about all the time. And we both gain insights from it. So what we wanted to do is take some of those real life conversations we have based upon our experience of, I've been an employee 20 years, shifting over to an entrepreneur and having my own companies. Kimberly was an employee 20 years ago. She shifted over um, and started running and opening her companies and then helping others do the same. So this amazing opportunity we have to really get in the mindset of people and answer questions while we're talking to one another and hopefully spark some intentions and some inspirations to see things differently and shift perspective. That's right. And you know, Missy, I think it's great because we're talking to not just the person 
who is in the employee seat making the shift to entrepreneur, but the people that are in the entrepreneur seat, but still struggling making the seat, the shift completely to that entrepreneur. They're still in that employee mindset. And we want to help make some of that shift. What's that? They've created a company and became the employee. Yes, yes, yes. And so we really want to help them get back to ownership and not just working in their business, but on their business and really growing. That's it. That's it. So let's, without further ado, let's get this party started. Mm, 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 mm. Right? Kick us off. All right. Well, I'm going to start by simply saying one thing to keep in mind when you are making that shift, and we talked about this last week, you're responsible for all decisions. When you're the leader, you're the owner, that decision-making process, good and bad, that's going to be something you want to keep on the top of your head. You're no longer sitting in the chair and Mr. Boss giving you those instructions. Because you remember, when you went to work, you had to clock in. Someone's keeping track of your time. And they were telling you what you needed to do for the day. They gave you a task list. You knew exactly what you needed to do to fulfill the job and do the work. But friends, as an entrepreneur, that's not the case. Mm, Not exactly. Here's the (laughs) truth. If you are working on something, building, creating, here's the truth. You can do the same thing that Mr. Boss did for you. Instead of them handing you the list, you strategically sit down and create the list. And we talked about that in the previous show, how important it is to recognize there are some tasks, some responsibilities that you must do in order to be successful as an entrepreneur. You're now the boss. You need to keep things on track and to ensure that you're doing what's needed to be done to move your business forward. So as you were saying, you don't have to be, and a a lot of our clients, and even a lot of the people that we're coaching right now have a full-time job and they're doing a side hustle and they're building up that side hustle. Others are switching from full-time to owning their company and some are in their company and somewhat stuck feeling like they're employees. So what we wanted to do is just break it down into some simple steps. We're gonna go over four of them today And the first one is um, a a little thing off of what we've talked about is you have a superpower. There is something about you that is not like anyone else, your brain, your experiences, who you are. And this superpower really comes in handy in your role as an employee. And it turns out as you migrate over into an owner, an entrepreneur, the superpower is your cape really. And one of the key things that works. Now, the crazy part is, and this is no knock, um, there's, uh, we need employees, we love employees. This show isn't for employees. So, and they're some of the most beautiful people in the world. This show is for people who want more with entrepreneur mind. So the thing with uh, being an employee is we figured out a long time ago is as an employee, someone else is defining your worth and your superpower, putting a value on it. Is it worth 10 an hour, 20 an hour, 100 an hour? but they're telling you what they're willing to pay for your your superpower, your worth. As an entrepreneur, you're defining your worth. You're setting your thing. And I want to back up and as my uh, superpower, I would get excited um, when I would make 25 more cents an hour. Again, I I love that because I think (laughs) that's so true in the world that we live in. We have allowed our boss, our company, Uh, to determine what we're worth. And when you think about the list of capabilities and skills that you possess, I'm sure 
there's no price associated with it. And when you decide to make that shift from being an employee for company XYZ to maybe launching your own, the process of auditing your skill set is important. Audit your skill set. Because remember, what you learned and what you did in that previous company is transferable. That's something mm -hmm. I love teaching when I coached and did a lot of training is teaching people that you have transferable skills that you can take and put in your tool belt and use them no matter where you go. So when you recognize that and recognize you're taking that skill to your company now, how to leverage that and then kind of evaluate that. How much is it worth really to the marketplace? And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but today there's so many resources online that you can go online and look in Indeed and say, how much is this talent worth? How much is that talent worth? Because when you determine that, you're then putting yourself in a position to really determine how you market, how you price yourself when you go out into the real world as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. So that's and I think one of the hardest parts is the confidence in your value. Absolutely. So when you made that shift 20 years ago, how did you define your superpower and, and step from one of the most from one of the most prestigious companies still to this day in your realm to well, launching your own company? For me, it was, you know, I took an audit of my skills and gifts and talents and recognized that this is where my strengths are. And then I looked back on <laughs> what they were billing me out at. And I'll tell you at the time, and mind you, this is 20 plus years ago, they were billing me out at $500 an hour, 20 plus years ago. I only imagine what that is today. And although, yes, I was confident. Yes, I had the skills. I didn't have the name. I didn't have the backing that that company had to then go out as an independent contractor and ask for $500. So what I did is I negotiated for $350. And guess what? I got a yes. That was what gave me even more confidence to continue building. And then I could later increase my prices. You know, there's a strategy out here that says after you get three to four yeses, there's a room to then increase your price because someone believes in you, you've delivered the work and it says that you're worth it. So that's what happened for me. I didn't go out full, full steam ahead. I did, but not on the pricing. I wanted to test the market and see what I personally as an entrepreneur as a individual contractor could do on my own. And that's where I started. I love that. And I think that started to inspire me as I was creating multi-million dollar um, programs, writing them, getting the funding for them in that journey. And then when we got it, then taking them over and directing them. So putting the staff in place, setting up the system. So I was doing everything almost a micro business with inside my organization and then realizing that's a, a lot, of, and it's a nonprofit, so I'm not saying they were like screwing me over, but I am saying I did realize that when you are bringing in multi-millions and you're taking hundreds of those, hundreds, pennies to the dollar of what you're able to bring in, that that might be a, a clue to there's more out there because I want more and I want to impact more. Absolutely. And I know, Missy, that was a struggle for you on the beginning. That was a challenge for you with pricing because you said, Absolutely. Okay, yes, I know the skills. Yes, I know the talents, but can I charge that much? Am I worth that much? And you just said it after you started really going back and assessing and looking at, wait a minute, the, the money that I might've asked for is only pennies to the dollar. There's so much more inside. And what you bring to the table has absolutely, it's priceless. 
And so we just have to have the confidence, the belief, and the, you know, the tools to help us get there, which is what we're going to go into now is having that strategy, having a strategic approach. So when you're working as an employee, you know, you have a schedule, right? You have a schedule, <laughs> you know exactly what you need to do to finish the day's work. So you have a little strategy, a plan in place to ensure that you're proficient in your role. If not, boss will be knocking at your door, right? Someone's still there holding you accountable to the work that needs to be done. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're the owner, you're the boss, you have the mindset of, if you don't have it, you need to shift it to, okay, what do I need to do to make sure I can get the work done? And here's the question. And, and Missy and I talked about this in a previous show, focusing on the RGAs or ICAs, the revenue generating activities, right? You got to build a structure and we'll talk about that. You build your systems, but once your systems are in place, are you doing the activities that are going to generate the income or are you doing the tedious things? And that's part of the last two shows. If you're out there, you know, putting the wood on the awning to make sure the outside of your store is beautiful, then you're not focused on the revenue generating activities. That's something someone else can do. So your strategy is everything. And that especially true when you're running the operation. And I think sometimes as an employee, it's one of the things we fear like, well, I don't want to take the risk. I'm getting this, this paycheck is consistent, but nothing showed us better than the last two years that nothing is consistent. So it's almost a myth um, that you're quote safe in a job, if you will. And so when you're looking at even 2008 really highlighted that nothing is safe um, in, in the role of a job. And what you want to do is create your own safety net. So your strategy as you're the owner of the company can always bring how much am I bringing in? What's my strategy to bring that in? And turns out folks, employees, owners, doesn't matter your title, how you manage money is important. What you're bringing in and what you're doing with it, whether it's through the company, through your job, or the thing is you're still lifestyle and you and the spending and the budgeting now. But as a boss, though, you have to be, uh, you're, you are a little more fearless about it. Me and Kimberly joke all the time, like um, when we have to print, we hate printing from home because printing from home is expensive. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's a cost if you own your own company. And one of, we, we're running a, um, our accountability group and one of the other owners texts me and she's all, Hey, can you make this form printable? Cause it's a lot of color and I don't want to print it. And this meeting, this woman is amazing. I know what she makes cause I'm one of her customers and she makes enough money to buy a color printer. Let me tell you, um, just kidding if you're listening, but she is hilarious because she is an owner and she called and said, please make this more printable friendly. I'm not printing this. Even though sometimes you're like, well, you could afford it is that's why they can't afford it. Cause they're not going to do stuff. The strategy is I'm not going to spend money. I don't have to spend when it can go back into the business for other things. And I think as an employee, you'll just waste paper. Like you kind of just don't care, unfortunately. And, and part of the work strategy as the owner, right. Is having people care about these resources because they cost money and they take away from bottom lines. And what employees sometimes don't connect is they even take away from you if their expenditures are out of control. That's but that's good. just a one mindset shift into that. Something as important as paper and printing is an owner mindset, uh, a mindset shift. Yeah, those pens and pencils that <laughs> when you were an employee went home with you, now that's different because it costs to buy those things. 
And I love it that, you know, when you think about the safety net and the whole, when you're owner, you're shifting, you're shifting, you're creating the strategies so that you can create the secure income for yourself, which is goes hand in hand with our next one, which is the systems. When you have a solid system in place that aligns with your strategy, with your vision, utilizing your superpowers, you have nothing but success waiting for you. But again, it's waiting for you and you have to take the action. Mm. And so think about that for a moment. What are your systems? XYZ company, they have a process. They have what they call standard operating procedures. Most companies do. So when you get there day one, you know exactly what you need to do from, from starting the job to finishing the job. When you're the owner of the company, you probably don't have any systems in place. And it is really one of those things that you have to decide how you want to create the structure in your company, not just for you, because remember, you're not the only one there. We're talking about a legacy. We're talking about building a company that you can sell. And when you do that, you create systems that are duplicatable, that can be done by others. They walk in, they know point A to point Z. And that's what these multi-million trillion dollar companies have done. They started just where you did at the beginning, at the quote unquote, the bottom. And with the right process, the right systems, a strategy utilizing gifts and talents, they're able to build these companies that are not only surviving the times like COVID, but are thriving. So think about what systems do you need to put in place? Not as an employee anymore, but maybe there are some things you learned as an employee that can transfer over to your organization, to your operation. Because I love it. I, and I'll give you a short story. When I worked in corporate America, I, I believe somehow, I don't know why or where, in my brain, I knew that entrepreneurship was the way for me. I went in with the mindset of let me learn as much as I can learn. Strategy, you know, mergers, acquisition, process improvement. I learned it all. That was my job. And my goal was to take all of that and in one day, go out and share it with the world. I was coaching CEOs and executives back then. And I knew that if I can do that at this level, I can train these people. I can go out and do it on my own. I used some of those systems. Some of the processes that I learned back then, I put into my own company so that I too can be successful. So being an employee is not a bad thing. I think it's foundational for building and getting the skills you need to be successful on the other side. I love that. And even if you're an employer, an owner, an employee, and the bookkeeper and the marketing, um, those are all functions. So when you're functioning in that role, the, the best thing you could do for yourself is to write down the best function of it because you're doing your best practice. But that way, as you want to scale, you already have the SOP to hand over um, to even get help in or to do the VAs. One of the biggest struggles with VAs is people overcomplicate it and they don't, oh, that didn't work for me. Well, because you're trying to download and dump a whole uh, mess on them and not a system. People can take over a system. They can't take over your brain. Well, that's not how I would do it. Well, if you write down how you would do it, they're more likely to do it. So if you create a system, and um, I accidentally stumbled upon this, is one of my coordinators in my programs is phenomenal at creating systems. She was born to do it. And I create a vision. I wrote a program. And then I had other programs. So I needed a coordinator. I handed it over to her. Well, she's left this system five years ago to come systemize another one of my programs. And it's been ran by two different people now. 
but the system itself is still the same. Everything we do in that program, it's been 10 years now, it's still operating. We go in and we update it, but the great part is I'm not running it, she's not running it, the third person's not even running it, the fourth person's running it, and it looks the same um, other than you know bringing it up to date since the vision in my head came out. So one of the things with systems is if you are the visionary, <clears throat> we're extremely visionary, is either, and I, I believe everyone, you have strength, but you could also sit down in other realms. You're, if you're a visionary, you, you're great at systems. You just need to focus, set the time and do it. But if you don't have that, get someone else to sit with you and on, undo your, there's coaches out there that will take apart your brain for you and hand you back a system. But it's, it's vital that you just start writing the things down and creating your own systems around what you do. Um, an employee might think like, oh, okay, this is just something I do. It's easy. And you kind of just do it to the least amount. An owner would think, what's the most I can get out of this time in this realm? So that's just a quick shift too. Like, and you don't have to be, an, uh, you could be an owner mindset and still work as an employee to help the organization and the company and, and bring things to light. In fact, a lot of owners today were amazing employees in other companies and helped find and bring them to the next level. And they moved on to their own company because of it. But I really thinking of that, the system isn't just to half-ass anything that you're doing and get it done. The system is to ensure that the time and things in place are duplicatable and that the best is coming out of that, uh, um, the outcomes. Absolutely. And, you know, you made the uh, comment that you don't have to be a crappy employee. The truth is, Missy, you are the, the entrepreneurial employee. I was the entrepreneurial employee creating new systems and processes inside of our organizations, which I think, which was critical and which was helpful to how we were able to transition, even though you're still in the midst of it, but your transition is coming along because you had that shift already in your mindset, looking at opportunities to help your employer win. Now you're looking at those same opportunities to say, how do I take this to my own company so that I one day can win? And we, we're doing it. So congratulations, kudos for the job well done. And one of the best things that I learned in systems was it, a, it can't be based on people. You could have some really great people or partners or people with you, but they're going to leave. Right. It has to be a plug um, and or, play. Or, emergen plug and or emergencies play. happen. Even if they love you and want to stay forever, you know, life happens. And if they're gone and your entire company crumbles, that's, it's, it's a, a sad, it's sad. But yes. it doesn't have to be because you just systemize what it is they do right. and not base it upon them. It's not a person thing. It's the, it's the project, if you will, which takes us back to our book when we talk about looking at the problem, the proficiency, the, um, the play, how those things fit into your system. And when you build it around that, you're going to create something that'll work regardless of who's sitting in the seat. And that's where, that's where it matters most. So because you're you're really great at, at this, you you'll know it firsthand. Uh, I've heard more and more people talk about it, but one of the greatest systems that I've seen in an organization that doesn't have consistent leadership in anything that it does, people-wise, is Toastmasters. But there is hundreds upon thousands across the world that run the same system, and some people find it annoying. We've had people come to be like, "This is annoying." Other people love it because of the structure. But the thing is, is the structure never changes, but it does get better. And it still stays with the times of this amazing organization that isn't usually ran by the same consistent person at any time in any realm of it can move forward and still continue to grow 
and help people and evolution to change to what needs to be because people just look at the systems, what's working, what's not, and what's needed. And you've ran different seats at, at highest levels and, and at the lower levels of this organization. And what, uh, what do you think, you think some of the, the main things that makes it so phenomenal that it just runs no matter who's where? Right. And, you know, and the thing you, when you were saying that, it made me think about the fact that the system may be the same, but you put a different body in there and it looks different. The process, the A, B, C, D, E, F, G is the same. But if you put me in the seat versus you in the seat or Sally in the seat versus John in the seat, you get to still individualize and personalize it to you. The system's the same, but you be you, boo. No, <laughs> you can go in and still be you. And, and there's some areas where you may want to tweak and refine because I know for me, that's some of the times what I want to do. I don't always want to do the robotic approach. And, and I say that not in a negative way, but really yeah. saying, I don't want to show up like Susie. I want to show up like the system says, but I want to show up like Kimberly because oh, I know in the end, me being authentically me is going to produce the better result for me. I'm going to be happy. And because of my personality, hopefully I'll reach and touch more people. I think you nailed it. Uh, some, one of the fears I think of having a system is it's going to feel robotic. It's not going to be individualized. It's not going to serve everybody. Here's the thing is you don't serve everybody, right? You can't, you have to have your niche and you have to know your niche almost as well as themselves or better. And when you're in the midst of it, you create the systems that individuals can still step in and authentically make that uh, system come to life, but they have to step somewhere or they're going to misinterpret what you say and create their own. And I think that's where a lot of organizations start to crumble is people misinterpret or they don't understand they're on the same page because there's no system. They just say, oh, this is much how I do it. And if you don't have the right systems in place, you know what it affects? Bottom your sales. Line. The bottom line, exactly, the bottom line. Bottom which is line. Where we're coming to right now for this last point is about sales. And here's the thing, I love it. When you're an employee, and depending on your role, what capacity you sit in, sales is critical for every organization. If they're a profit-based organization, they are here to make money, point bank, period, right? Profit-based, I'm speaking. Now, when you think about that, if you're in a profit-based organization and you have a role and responsibility, there, this company has systems to bring the income in, whether it's a Salesforce team, whether mm. it's, you know, an, a phone call, a call center, well, regardless of what system, there's somebody driving those numbers, somebody behind forecasting those numbers, making sure those numbers are happening, analyzing those numbers and putting processes in place to see those numbers churn and turn, right? So that they can have the success. That's what happens in corporations. Corporations that have been around, they know that their livelihood is dependent upon the sales. That's the company. That's as an employee. What happens as an entrepreneur? Who's responsible for your sales? Hmm. You, friends. And it's so interesting because when you think about that, that is probably one of the biggest fears that most people have when they step into this space. I don't know if I'm going to have consistent income. Absolutely. That is a valid question because you know that some days can be good. Some days can be bad, but here's the truth. You are the common denominator. You can determine if there's consistency in your sales. And I say that very boldly. And the reason I say that is because yes, the economy can be down. 
Yes, there could be lack of things, resources available. Yes. But somehow people always find a way to make money. No matter what. During COVID, we saw entrepreneurs come from nowhere and start creating these lovely masks. People come from nowhere and start manufacturing hand sanitizer from nowhere. So we know that there is a place for sales. The question is, are you going to develop a system, a strategy to help you have consistency in your sales? So if that means, Mr. Entrepreneur, that you need to pick up the phone 30 times a day to ensure the consistency in your sale, I guarantee you, you will have results. And we know in this industry, especially when it comes to sales, you know, there's a 10% ratio, a 5%, a 1% ratio. You can throw numbers out here to determine, but whatever that ratio is, you need to then build a structure and a strategy in place. If I know that I want to make $100 a day and it takes me 12 phone calls and those 12 phone calls mean I only get six appointments and of those six appointments, I only get two that actually show up. Am I going to make that $100 a day? See, what happens here in business is that a lot of times we get emotionally attached. Mm. And when you think about business, I want you to take the emotion out and recognize it is simply a math equation, friends. It's a math equation. Are you going to do the work that you need to do, the numbers, the calls, the appointments, the strategy, so that you can get that bottom number? You can do it. The question is, will you? I always say all the time, it's not people say, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can't or you won't. And so when we talk about that here today, we want you to think about how do you, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, drive your sales? And that's by your systems. That's by your strategy. And of course, utilizing your superpowers. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Close Misty, go. <laughs> you can, but will you? Um, one of the most... And you've seen people do it, right? Is find out what's working in your industry, hack it, make it better, authentically put you in, and then do the things that's working. So I was um, listening to a podcast one time and the lady said, "Is oh, I make my own money. I decide what I want to do that year lifestyle-wise. And then I set up as, as many coaching calls and as many, I go to as many um, seminars and then I make that money and that's what I do that year. Yeah, she has other things. We always talk about passive income and most millionaires have six streams coming in in case one's starting to run a little low, depending on the economy, and they jump into the other two, whole other shows. You got to at least start with a couple streams. And right. I think that's what our, our kind of point is today is all of these are just small mindset aha moments. Um, one of the aha moments I was laughing with Kimberly about is I realized that my companies were almost like side chicks. You know, if you want a relationship, is that not everyone is going to be in a relationship and wedded to the branding and the outcomes of the company that's the owner right because that's you so you have to put the time in schedule the time put it first after all the I, we, we do the whole self-care and all that yes your family and all that but i get it but there's so much more time in a day where you're just not doing things or idle or doing the things that you really don't need to do and you're not focused on um what will help drive the things that are going to help the company the most and so some of these are just those small steps because once you have that ownership, no matter where you're at, and my favorite joke when I talk to people about Kimberly or she's there is, Kimberly will find someone in a bathroom 
to have a conversation with and enroll them into um, something in the sense that they, if she knows that that will help them. A stranger in a bathroom is becomes enrolled into a conversation because she's one that passionate about it, two that clear about it, but four, she's never not representing who her company is or, and who she is. So I love that because once you get to that mindset, you're so excited, you just want to tell everyone. I love to value and confidence. So where do we start? <laughs> we, I know, right? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Action steps like we always do. And, you know, the first thing, and I know this was a lot, a lot to take in, a lot to digest, but here's three action steps that you can use. And, you know, I'm all about the action. Let's move. Let's make things happen. Number one, I would say do a personal audit. And what I mean by that is write down your skills and talents if you haven't already. And even if you have, sometimes you need to go back to the table and say, okay, what else have I learned or developed? Because we know as a leader, as an entrepreneur, we should always be learning. We should always have a continuous process of learning, reading, listening, walking, talking, learning something new. So it starts with writing down your skills and your talents. That's a personal audit, personal skill audit that you can take, build that list. So now you can start building onto it. And that's even for those existing entrepreneurs. If you've been in this market, like I have for over 20 years, guess what? Every now and then I go back and say, okay, what else have I learned that I can add to my skill set? Because if I'm always learning, I'm always growing, there's always new things to add to the table. So that's number one, take a personal skill audit. Number two, Misty, what is it? It's my favorite one and it motivates me the most. Find people who are doing what you want to do and, and see how much they're charging. Compare yourself. Nothing is more motivating than seeing someone out there doing what you do, but charging more and not doing it as good. When you mm -hmm. see someone in your realm charging people more money, but not giving the results that you can, that is an instant confidence of the people need me. I need to be out here helping. I need to be out here doing it. It's what I do best. Um, and then once you compare and you see what others are doing and how they're doing what they're charging, then define your value. Yeah. yeah. So, and I want to add a word because this is my favorite word I've used for years is the benchmarking. You should always benchmark. So if you take that audit, personal skill audit, number one, number two, you're benchmarking your competition. Not only the individuals that are in the field doing what you do, but do like I did. I went back and said, what did my employer used to bill me out for? If they can bill me out at 500, what can I do? And then I could did some comparative analysis to folks that were independent, like myself, contractors. But I knew my skill. I knew where I came from, the training that I had. And I had the confidence to then go out there. And now I'm not the cheapest girl on the block. And I tell that, and people know that about me. <laughs> they know that. And it, it's kind of intimidating, but I say, but it comes with the price. It comes with the price and it comes with some experience that will prove beneficial for you. So think about that. And then the last one we have here is then we want you to build a template, kind of a, a small template, a strategic plan, kind of a proposal. Let me use yes. that word. So build a template proposal type that now that you're ready to go out in the marketplace, what does that look like? What are you going to offer? What is your price point? You know, it's always about your offerings, your pricing, the service that you're going to provide. And I think it's important that you have this, whether you're new or existing. And I keep saying this because even those existing companies 
have struggled. Sometimes we go back and we're going, oh gosh, what do I have? Is this the right thing? The market changes. Things are always evolving. And you have to go back and go back to the drawing board, if you will, to figure out, are you in the right place? Are you offering the right price? You may need to go from $100 an hour to $700 an hour because the market changed or maybe your skill level has developed and grown. So we want you to build out a template, build out a, pro a proposal, something you can put together to start really recognizing that your skills matter. That's the shift from the employee to the entrepreneur. Because as an employee, you know, your boss tells you who, what, when, how, and how high. It's your time to determine those factors, to determine how you're going to win, how you're going to set yourself up for success. Because we know it's possible. And we're rooting for you, friends. And we're here for you. Absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> with that, we have so many different um, options available for you. We want to just get you to plug into our social media and plug into some of the, our email lists and some of the resources that we have available. We're turning, we're turning things around for you. And, you know, one of our courses, which is turning those ideas into income, taking those three things that we've given you to help you really see the success for yourself. Sometimes you need someone to lock arms with to come alongside you as you take those baby steps. And we're here for you. And we really appreciate you. And we want you to know, like we say every single week, there is something out here waiting for you. Now go get it. Thank you for listening to the Made to Inspire podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and have picked up some tips, tools, and tactics that will help you move into action. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are made the number two, the letter N, Spire You. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. We're out there. But best of all, we ask that you leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. Let us know how you're going to use the information that we're sharing week after week to help you take your inspiration into action. We appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode.